Hanbridge, Knipe, Longshall, and Turnhill laughed heartily, and perhaps a little viciously, at this paragraph, but Bursley was annoyed by it. In print the affair did not look at all well. Bursley prided itself on possessing a unique dignity as the mother of the five towns, and to be presided over by a goose-driver, however humorous and hospitable he might be, did not consort with that dignity. A certain mayor of Longshaw, years before, had driven a sow to market, and derived a tremendous advertisement therefrom, but Bursley had no wish to rival Longshaw in any particular. Bursley regarded Longshaw as the inferno of the five towns. In Bursley you were bidden to go to Longshaw as you were bidden to go to... Certain acute people in Hillport saw nothing but a paralyzing insult in the opinion of the signal, first and foremost a Hanbridge organ, that Bursley could find no better civic head than Josiah Curtenty. At least three aldermen and seven councillors privately, and in the Tiger, disagreed with any such view of Bursley's capacity to find heads. And underneath all this brooding dissatisfaction lurked the thought, as the alligator lurks in a muddy river, that the Earl wouldn't like it, meaning the geese episode. It was generally felt that the Earl had been badly treated by Jos Curtenty. The town could not explain its sentiments, could not argue about them. They were not, in fact, capable of logical justification. But they were there. They violently existed. It would have been useless to point out that if the inimitable Jos had not been called to the mayoralty, the episode of the geese would have passed as a gorgeous joke that every one had been vastly amused by it, until that desolating issue of the signal announced the Earl's retirement, that Jos Curtenty could not possibly have foreseen what was about to happen, and that, anyhow, goose-driving was less a crime than a social solecism, and less a social solecism than a brilliant eccentricity. Bursley was hurt, and logic is no balm for wounds." Some may ask, if Bursley was offended, why did it not mark its sense of Josiah's failure to read the future by electing another mayor? The answer is that while all were agreed that his antic was inexcusable, all were equally agreed to pretend that it was a mere trifle of no importance. You cannot deprive a man of his prescriptive right for a mere trifle of no importance. Besides, nobody could be so foolish as to imagine that goose-driving, though reprehensible in a mayor about to succeed an earl, is an act of which official notice can be taken. The most curious thing in the whole imbroglio is that Josiah Curtenty secretly agreed with his wife and the town. He was ashamed, overset. His procession of geese appeared to him in an entirely new light, and he had the strength of mind to admit to himself, I've made a fool of myself. Harry went to London for a week, and Josiah, under plea of his son's absence, spent eight hours a day at the works. The brougham remained in the coach-house. The town council duly met in special conclave, and Josiah Topham Curtenty became mayor of Bursley. Shortly after Christmas it was announced that the mayor and mayoress had decided to give a New Year's treat to four hundred poor old people in the St. Luke's covered market. It was also spread about that this treat would eclipse and extinguish all previous treats of a similar nature, and that it might be accepted as some slight foretaste of the hospitality which the mayor and mayoress would dispense in that memorable year of royal festival. The treat was to occur on January 9th, the mayoress's birthday. 
On January 7th, Josiah happened to go home early. He was proceeding into the drawing-room without enthusiasm to greet his wife when he heard voices within, and one voice was the voice of Gas Gordon. Josh stood still. It has been mentioned that Gordon and the mayor were in love with the same woman. The mayor had easily captured her under the very guns of his not formidable rival, and he had always thereafter felt a kind of benevolent, good-humored, contemptuous pity for Gordon. Gordon, whose life was a tragic blank. Gordon, who lived a melancholy and defeated bachelor, with his mother and two unmarried sisters older than himself. That Gordon still worshipped at the shrine did not disturb him. On the contrary, it pleased him. Poor Gordon. But really, Mrs. Cotenti, Gordon was saying, really, you know I, that is, really...